Welcome to part 2 and another episode of my conversation with Neil Ayo. In this episode, we speak more deeply about how we as parents can raise indestructible kids in today's world. And if you haven't listened to the first part, I would strongly encourage you to also listen to the first part as he draws a lot of parallels to that episode. In the meantime, enjoy this episode. You know, um, you're a parent yourself and you shared with me your daughter's 15 at the time of recording and you homeschool her. I'm so curious, parenting, and I'm a parent too, parenting in the digital age presents a very unique set of challenges, mm. right? How would you advise us as parents to be able to manage whether is it a child's screen time or how can we also help them develop healthy habits when it comes to focus and attention? Raising an indistractable kid is a whole section in the book. Yeah. And if you're a parent, it's the most important section. Because as distracting as the world is right now, it's only going to become more distracting. And so uh, with virtual reality and augmented reality and who knows what other realities, we have to teach our kids how to become indistractable. It will be the most important skill, the most important skill, because there is no area of your life that doesn't require you to focus your attention. It is truly how we choose our life, whether it's your physical health, your mental health, yeah. your professional career. All of these things require our ability to focus. So we have to teach our kids now because the world is bifurcating into people who allow their time and attention to be manipulated by others mm -hmm. and people who say, no, I control how I spend my time and attention. I control how I spend my, my life because I am indistractable. So how do we do this? First and foremost, to lead by example. So if we are going to raise indistractable kids, we have to be indistractable parents. I can't tell you how many times I hear from parents who are telling me, yeah, my kid is always on Fortnite and they're always on their phones and what do I do about that? Wait, 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 I have to check this one email. Mm. You can't be a hypocrite. You have to lead by example. Show your children what it means to be indistractable and it's okay to tell them you're struggling. Right, that's fine. Many parents, they find, oh, I can never be vulnerable. I can never tell my kid that I'm struggling with something. They'll think I'm weak or they think I don't know all the answers. They know you don't have all the answers. It's fine when you tell them, look, I as well am struggling with this. Let's do this together, okay? But lead by example. Be indistractable as a parent yourself. By the way, this also applies in the workplace. Yeah. If you want your- As a leader. Exactly. Mm -hmm. If you want your employees to be indistractable, you have to be, there's also a section in the book on how to build an indistractable workplace. That's also rule number one there. Now. Let's get into the weeds on why kids yeah. overuse. Starting with, the problem may not be as bad as many people think. Many people think every minute that a child spends on their device, that's somehow harmful. And that is just not true. It's a way oversimplification. Because if you think about it, there are a lot of things that kids can do online that are wonderful. Yeah. My daughter taught herself how to play ukulele mm. with YouTube videos. We never paid for a single lesson. She wanted to learn how to play ukulele. She learned it with YouTube. She loves to crochet. She learned how to do all kinds of projects. She's making probably making one right now with <laughs> these YouTube videos. So it's not as simple as saying, oh, all online content is bad. It depends on what they're watching or what they're, what they're doing, uh, how much they are, are using it, who they are, mm -hmm. right? Technology will affect some kids differently from others and That's what true. they would be doing instead of using it. If they mm. would be watching TV... I would much, much rather have my daughter uh, talking with her grandparents uh, over Skype versus watching television, yeah. right? That's a much better use of, yeah. of screen time. So just saying screen time is not the right metric. We need to look at the excessive use. What is excessive use? It turns out no study, not even one, has found that three hours or less of age-appropriate content has any deleterious effects. 
right? As long as it's age appropriate, yeah. turns out three hours or less is fine. Now, three hours or less, or less a day. A day. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah. As long as it's age appropriate. Yes. Of course, of course. lots of things that a three-year-old should yes. not be exposed to that maybe an eighteen-year-old mm-hmm. is fine with. Mm-hmm. So it has to be age appropriate. But it turns out three hours or less, even if it's video games, mm-hmm. is fine. Now, I would always follow the the, the age guidelines from the companies. I, you know, the companies will mm-hmm. tell you social media thirteen is the minimum age. I actually think it should be probably a little bit older, maybe sixteen, seventeen, maybe mm-hmm. eighteen. But definitely follow those guidelines. I would definitely not give your kid access to social media before the age that the company themselves tells you not to let them use. But let's talk about the problem of overuse. Mm-hmm. So it's not use that's the problem. That's the first lesson. It's not use. It's overuse that's the problem for children who are using more than those three hours a day. To understand why that's happening, we have to dig deeper in order to understand why they're overusing. And for this, we have to understand this uh, theory of human motivation and flourishing called self-determination theory. Self-determination theory has been around since the 1970s. It's the most widely accepted theory of human flourishing and well-being. It was uh, uh, originated by two psychologists, uh, Desi and Ryan, and they say that every human being on the face of the earth needs three things. I call them psychological nutrients, right? Just like we have physiological nutrients of protein, fat, and carbohydrates. Those are the f- three macronutrients. Yeah. We also have these three psychological mm-hmm. nutrients, which are autonomy, competency, and relatedness. Wow. Every human being needs these three things for psychological well-being. Every psychologist will, will know this theory. It's, it's very well established. Most studied. Regardless of age. Regardless of age. We mm-hmm. all need autonomy competency and relatedness. Now, if you look at the lives that children live, they are starved in the industrialized world, and that is, they are starved of these psychological nutrients. And so what do kids do? What do all of us do? If we are deficient in a nutrient, we look for it somewhere. Mm. So if you don't have autonomy, competency, and relatedness in your offline mm. life, you will look for it in your online life. Let's, let's dissect this, autonomy. There are studies that find that children have 10 times as many restrictions placed on them as an adult. That the average American, I know more about the American research, I, I'm guessing yeah. it's similar in, in Singapore, that the average American child has twice as many restrictions on them in an uh, active duty Marine or an incarcerated felon. That if you think about it, there's only wow. two places in society where we can tell people yeah. where to go, how to dress, what to think, what, what to, to eat, eat yeah. where to, you know, who to be friends with, and that's school and prison. prison. Mm-hmm. So if we know that all human beings need a sense of autonomy, mm-hmm. we need to feel like we are in control of at least some of our decisions, mm-hmm. when we put people in cages, they behave like animals. So when you are told all day long what to do and where to go and what to think and bells tell you, ding dong, you have to go there, go here, go there, When they get home, they want freedom. Mm. They want autonomy. And guess what? When you go online and you can play a game that makes you feel like you can go whatever you want and do whatever you want, that feels good. They're getting a sense of autonomy. So again, if you're not getting it in your offline life, you're going to find it online. Mm -hmm. Now let's take competency. One of the things that's happened throughout the industrialized world over the past few decades is there's been an increased prevalence of standardized testing constantly testing. And what that does for a certain segment of children is reinforce for them that they are not competent, mm-hmm. right? You're constantly being told you're still, don't, you're still not good enough. You're still not good enough. Yeah. And we all need, all human beings need a sense of competence. We need to feel like we can achieve what we set out to do. But if you're constantly reinforced that you are not competent in the offline world, you're going to look for it in the online world. Mm-hmm. Again, when you look at a game like Roblox or, uh, uh, or, or, or uh, Fortnite, 
right? Those type of games, you feel like a god. You can do whatever you want. They're designed to give you a feeling of competence. So it's no surprise that children would gravitate towards that. And then finally, relatedness. We know that there is a precipitous drop-off in the amount of time that children throughout the industrialized world spend in what's called free play. Free play is time spent with peers without the watchful gaze of teachers and parents and coaches. Time for kids to be kids. Time for kids to just play. Free play is the most psychologically nourishing thing you can do for your child. Part of the reason I believe that we have this uptick in mental health issues is that children have been starved in this generation of free play. And of course, COVID made it even worse. Kids need time to interact with other kids. Why? Because when a parent or a teacher says you should do this or you should do that, that's that's one level of significance. Mm. But when a peer says to a child, hey, if you act that way, I don't wanna play with you. Mm. Okay, if you act like a jerk, this isn't fun. That's a different kind of lesson. Play is where we learn our place in the world. And children today are starved of play. So if you don't have that sense of relatedness, which we know is one of the fundamental three psychological nutrients, if you don't have that offline, guess what? You're gonna go look for it online. You know, if you look at what kids do online, they just want to connect. Yeah. Right. When you think about social media, they want to connect with other people. Right. Just like we used to do before. You know, I'm probably older than you are. But, you know, we would go home after school and we would talk on the phone for hours and hours Mm. or we would hang out in person. Mm. That's what they're looking for. And again, if we don't give them that opportunity offline, they're going to do it online. Mm. So now we know we need these three like psychological nutrients of autonomy, competency and relatedness. And it's because kids are starved of it offline that they're looking for it online. What do we do? We as indistractable parents need to find opportunities. And there's some very simple things you can do, starting with scheduling time. We talked about making time for traction. We need to put time in our children's day for free play by finding like-minded parents who understand that, you know, we can send them to the test prep and the Mandarin lessons and the ballet lessons. That's very nice. But if you don't schedule that time for free play, for just letting kids be kids. Just hang out. You are robbing mm. them of something very, very important because if they don't have the psychological strength mm. to whether interacting with their peers mm. and, and sitting at school at a desk and listening to a teacher is not interacting with your peers, yeah. right? Being at school, most of the time kids spend at school, they are not interacting. They are not playing with other kids. They're following instructions from their teacher. So you have to build that time in their day. And then what we want to do is to simply follow these four steps that we are we as parents use to become indistractable. We teach our kids the very four same steps of mastering internal triggers, teaching children how to deal with those uncomfortable sensations of, oh, this is hard, I don't wanna do this, yeah. I wanna go do something else, or you know, dealing with those uncomfortable sensations. We can teach them how to do that. There are all kinds of techniques in the mm. book on how to do that. Making time for traction, planning time for kids to do their homework, planning time for free play, planning time. One of the best things you can do for your kid, if you think your kid overuses technology, plan it in their schedule. Mm. Sit down with them. I did this with my daughter when she was only six years old and she was using her iPad too much, or we, we thought she was. We said, how much time would you like with the iPad? Wow, it's like give her the ownership. Give too. her the, exactly, mm-hmm. autonomy. Mm-hmm. autonomy. Autonomy, we need to give them a sense of autonomy. They need it. So we asked her, how much time would you like? And at first she said all day. And we said, okay, well, understandable. But you know, if you play with, if you're on the iPad all day, what's the cost of that? What's the price? Well, it's time that I wouldn't get to see my friends. It's time I wouldn't get with my parents. It's time I wouldn't get to go outside. All these things that would come at the cost of spending time inside watching videos on iPad. 
Okay, so she said, how about this, Daddy? She mm-hmm. said two episodes. At mm-hmm. the time, she was watching a lot of you know episodes on, yeah. on Netflix of you know uh, cartoons. So she said, Daddy, can I have two episodes per day? That seems like enough. Well, two episodes is 45 minutes. Yeah. I don't have any problem with 45 minutes of, of episodes as long as it's age appropriate. So I said, fine. But how will you make sure that it's only 45 minutes? And she thought for a bit and she said, you know what? I see that sometimes you and mommy, you use the microwave to time things. Wow. And at the time it was below our counter so she could reach it. And so she said, how about I go to the microwave and I'll put in the time and then when it beeps, I'll stop. Great. Amazing. Right. Now. See what you're doing there. Yeah. As a 15 year old, now she doesn't use the microwave. She uses Alexa. She uses it on her phone. She says, you know, set a timer for 45 minutes or Siri, set a timer for 45 minutes. And that's what she does. And so now I'm not the bad guy. Yes. I'm not the cop that has mm. to tell her stop using. She, she came up with exactly. the framework. Exactly. Yeah. And mm-hmm. what's going to happen when she goes to university? Now she has that skill. She's if you are constantly herself. policing your kid, mm. you rob them of the ability to regulate themselves. We know that children in non-industrialized countries are better in many ways at time management because they have to do it. Yeah. Because at school, the bell goes off and the yeah. parents and the teachers and everybody's telling me what to do. I don't have to do it for myself. But when you let kids schedule their own time and hel- holding themselves accountable, and of course you adjust this, a six-year-old is going to have very different uh, capabilities yeah. from a 16-year-old. But even at six years old, they can start doing things yeah. like what my daughter did of setting their own timers. Yeah. So that's step number two, making time for traction. Then hacking back the external triggers. When we see the price of social media and some of the negative consequences of social media, some of the worst consequences don't come from the social media themselves, per se, or or uh, or, or video games. It comes from what they displace, and primarily that is sleep. Mm. That is leading to, I think, a lot of the mental health issues. We know that sleep is absolutely important for our mental health and physical well-being, especially for children. So anything that beeps, buzzes, or boops needs to be out of the bedroom. Kids should not have anything that potentially interrupts sleep in their bedroom. The bedroom is for sleeping. So television. Children should not have television in their bedrooms. They should not have computers. They should not have cell phones. Mm -hmm. That's charged outside. Mm. The bedroom is for sleeping. There should be nothing, nothing that could possibly make any kind of noise or light Mm. out of the bedroom. Okay, removing those external triggers. Mm. And then finally, that last step of preventing distraction with packs. This is where we can actually engage kids in using technology to block out distracting technology. I'll give you a great example. So there's this app called Forest. I'll show it to you in a minute. Forest. Forest. Yeah. So the way the Forest app works, my daughter uses it as well. You open the app and you dial in how much time you want to do focused work. Okay. So my daughter will do this for her homework. I'll do this when I'm writing. You, let's say you do 45 minutes, yeah. right? And as soon as you hit go, there's this cute little virtual tree that appears on the home screen. You put the phone down and if you pick it back up, if you pick up the phone during that 45-minute period, the little cute virtual tree gets chopped down. Oh. It dies. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't want to be a virtual tree you, murderer. Yeah, I don't want to be responsible. Exactly. And if you that. leave it, if you plant it and don't yeah. touch it, it grows and it has flowers and all kinds of little virtual amazing. goodies. So it's a little bit of an incentive to remind you, oh, you made a pact. You made a pre-commitment. Oh, that's amazing. It's an effort pact, essentially yeah. what we talked about earlier, yeah. to remind you that's not what you said you were going to do. Amazing. I use it almost every day. My daughter uses it all the time. Very, very effective. This is the fourth and final step to becoming indistractable, preventing distraction with packs. So essentially what we're doing is teaching our children the very four Fun, same uh, fundamental steps that we ourselves are using to become indistractable. Yeah, this topic on its own deserves an entire separate episode <laughs> of course, right? I, I think that is so powerful. And my final question is, you know, Nira, for those of us who want to embark on this journey to being mm-hmm. indestructible, what is an advice that you would have for us? The best piece of advice, if you want to summarize indistractable in, uh, in one sentence, 
It's that the antidote to impulsiveness is forethought. The antidote to impulsiveness is forethought. That fundamentally, distraction, procrastination, these are impulse controls issues, right? It's that I have this impulse to do something and I'm having difficulty controlling that impulse. That's all it is. It's not a moral failing. There's not something broken about you. You're not somehow a bad person or lazy. There's nothing about you. Mm. It's simply that you haven't learned the techniques to control those impulses. But this is completely learnable with forethought. So if you leave it to the last minute, you will lose. Yeah. If you uh, sleep next to your cell phone, of course, the first thing you reach for in the morning when you wake up is going to be your phone before you even say hello to your partner. Mm. If you have that piece of chocolate cake and you're on a diet and the cake is already on the fork, you're going to eat it. It's too late. It's already on the fork. Mm. If you're trying to quit smoking and the cigarette is lit in your hand, you're going to smoke it. It's too late. Mm. But if you plan ahead, there is no distraction you can't overcome. Because the antidote to impulsiveness is forethought. If you plan ahead, you can overcome any distraction. Wow. And start building the, those muscles for us to overcome them. Exactly. Nira, this has been such a mind-opening conversation. Thank you so much for your wisdom and your generosity in sharing all of this. And also, most importantly, thank you for the work that you do. It truly is making an impact in our generation and the generations to come. Thank you. So Nira, before we close, where can we follow you on social media and your works? Sure. So um, the best place to go is my website, nearandfar.com. That's spelled <laughs> like my first name, N-I-R-andfar.com. And if you're interested in more information on Indistractable, if you go to indistractable.com, that's spelled I-N, the word distract, A-B-L-E, indistractable.com, there is an 80-page workbook that we actually couldn't fit into the final edition of the book, and that's completely free. It's complimentary. You can Great. get that at, at indistractable.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you.